Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon from warm and sunny Florida. Uh, this is Dr. Simon, and I do a show for some nine years now, I think, entitled The Stories We Live By. And I want to talk again uh, today, do a show that is uh, in relation to the bunch of shows I did after the election uh, in which Donald Trump won. And I watched a not only election, but uh, an election process for over a year that really terrified me, has left me stunned, and a future that uh, I worry about less for me than for my children and less for them than for my grandchildren and everyone else's children and grandchildren. And that is because I see a terrible shift happening between uh, America as a democracy or as a part democracy and America as an authoritarian uh, uh, nation uh, in which obedience to the group uh, defines the self more than any individual words that might define us, or an anarchy, a violent anarchy, in which uh, it's either all of us for ourselves or, or all groups against all groups. <clears throat> um, let me begin by a discussion, and I have to sound professorial, I am sorry. Uh, most people, or many people, <clears throat> define identity or the words that identify the self as self. But in the framework I'm using today <clears throat> and promoting today, the self exists without words. Uh, self is experience. Self is defined by the feeling of my being I, making choice. Uh, moving through time and space. Self is the hereness in the thereness, a term used by my beloved professor uh, Isidore Chine uh, so many years ago. Uh, the self is the experience of what happens. It is the center of time and space. It is in front of what's behind us, and behind what's in front of us, it's to the right of what's to the left of us, and to the left of what's to the right of us. It exists without words. It exists when we make choices, the feeling of making choices. It exists in terms of all the experiences of love and hate and fear and rage, of sexual experience, all the experiences that define our being, our existing in the world. The most terrifying of all illnesses, in my experience as a, as a psychologist, is uh, dementia and especially Alzheimer's, in which one actually experiences their self disappearing. Not only do they lose the words that identify them, but the range of experience shrinks. Um, I hope this gives an idea of what I mean by self. Identity involves in ideas and language, especially language. Identity begins when we're born 
and we're given a name. And usually it's two names. An individual name, a personal name, in my case it's Lawrence, and a family name, Simon. We find that we're defined by a variety of other important terms. Many terms, but I want to just deal with some of the more important ones in terms of the politics of experience. One is the community we live in. Two, a nation that we live in. Three, a religion that we participate in, in one way or another. Uh, So nationality, religion, uh, and ultimately sitting behind all this is the tribe to which we belong, even though nationality and religion and family and community uh, are generated by the evolution of our beings as tribal animals. Identity exists as language. Now, the politics of this is, to me, very important. In a democratic system, a democratic upbringing, living in a democratic community, participating in a more or less democratic religion, to be a, uh, a loyal to one's nationality, the self doesn't disappear. It exists as a singularity, as an I with its own uh, 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 opinions, the things that matter, of understanding that we are a part of, but not completely absorbed in our religion, our nationality, our relationships, our family. Some examples, perhaps. When I decided to be a psychologist, my mother was very upset. She didn't quite know what that was, but the woman downstairs had a son who was a psychologist who to my mother couldn't make a living, and therefore to define myself as a psychologist would be to define myself as a failure economically. And as I'll explore, if not today, another time, so much of our identities and the value of our identities in our country, in many parts of the world, is economic. We are a good self, a successful self, more based upon the size of our wallet and the toys we can surround ourselves than almost anything else. And if I sound as if uh, I disagree in my values with that, as the defining uh, uh, of the self as having worth, I do, even as much as I struggle with it uh, myself in my own life and have uh, all, of my, uh, all of my life. In the authoritarian of family, or let me, uh, yes, the authoritarian family, what we have is a notion that obedience to your family comes first. You do not make individual decisions. You don't break from the family. You do not break from your religion. You do not criticize your religion. And in authoritarian uh, relationships, unlike democratic, you are not loved. Love is withdrawn. Approval is withdrawn. Punishment is meted out. 
for disobedience to one's religion, to one's nationality, to one's community, to one's tribe. A democracy is a collection of individuals who feel loyalty to self and to the group, the reference group. And in that system, there is always a tension, a struggle between how much loyalty to the group, to my religion, to my nationality, uh, and how much to myself, my own desires, and the interests that grow out of my own being and experience. And I'm always amazed as children come into the world and look around, the things they become interested in. Some immediately are interested in mechanical uh, uh, toys uh, and, and mechanical things. Uh, they dream of being an engineer before they've ever heard the word. Others look at nature and want to be part of the trees and the animals. Uh, they want pets at an early age. The idea of not being part of the animal kingdom uh, bothers them. And within that, there are people who, individuals who love dogs or cats or bugs or snakes or birds. The range of individual desires as we emerge into the world is enormous. And in, an, in a democratic relationship where there is love, where there is respect, and love I've always defined as a feeling that you, whoever you are, are more important than your needs or as important to my own. <clears throat> and the experience of seeing your mother and father look at you with love, where you know you are valued as an individual and as a member of the family and as a member of your religion, is powerful. It allows a, a feeling of freedom allows a feeling of a self that chooses freely, that enters into conflict without violence. In the authoritarian or the totalitarian, in which uh, the self is not even allowed to think, to think individual thoughts, thoughts that differ from the religious values and the religious truths or the national truths or the family truths, or the truths being taught by your teachers and your school. Obedience is everything. And the self is in danger, experiences fear, the loss of love, the loss of life, the loss of freedom. <clears throat> if one does not accept and define oneself as, and identify oneself as part of the group as part of your religion, swallowing whole all of the ideas that one are taught as the truth, the goodness. In the anarchy, an anarchistic, there is no group. One is alone. And we are learning that loneliness is one of the more devastating emotions that can exist. Older people who are no longer have a reference group who were married uh, and, who, uh, and whose spouse has died, who have uh, uh, friends that have drifted away or moved away or have died themselves, uh, have terrible problems physically and psychologically. We must experience ourselves as a singularity, as a being. And we must experience ourselves as part of something larger than ourselves, part of the group, 
part of nature, part of the ideas uh, that are defined so often as God. I think of Einstein, who looked at the vastness of the universe and said, there is no God who knows me, but in the vastness and magnificence of space is God. That feeling of awe, that feeling of being a part of some group in which one participates and shares values and goals, in which there's a positive defining of self. It's clear, and it's clear to me, and what I say and always say, that it is a horrible thing to lose oneself, either in an anarchy where one is all alone and can't be a self with others, or in the authoritarian, totalitarian system where one has no opinions of one's own, that one's choices are made by rules that are totally external and that any deviance from loyalty to the politics and to the group are, are, are punished, forbidden, or one is cast out into a kind of an anarchy of the self. So to lose oneself to the group is to me a tragedy. It is to lose creativity. It is to lose the experience of making choice. To lose oneself because there is nobody else is a tragedy. Life is never easy as I experience it. There is always conflict. Conflict between family members, between uh, uh, members of a country, members of a, a religion, members of a tribe. But in a democratic process, there is a resolution of conflict that is based upon respect, that is based upon mutual respect, that is based upon uh, uh, an idea that one is both an individual and a member of something larger, an extension of self, shared selves. This is basically my message. Um, let me speak a moment about conflicts within identity. For many years, I used to do a, a uh, kind of an experiment, a, a lesson on self and identity with my students, and I would have them write the word I am on a piece of paper. Today, I guess it would be done not on a piece of paper, but on their computer, their laptop. Uh, and add to that I am and add 10 words that define the I in the sentence. Okay. The words would then, uh, I took volunteers and I wrote the words on a board. Today it would be PowerPoint, I imagine. Gee, am I out of it from the technology in which the last 10 years I've not taught the vastness of change that is taking place. Uh, reference my show, my last show, The Rise of the Machines, in which there is a totalitarian uh, uh, push for us to be machines first or extended by our machines, the self as part of a mechanical world rather than even an interpersonal world. But that, again, is, is my last show and not today's uh, story. The self 
experiences, and, and I would write the stuff on the board. And what was interesting to me is the identity that people choose to be first, second, third, fourth, fifth on their list. What was most important? And I had worked on this myself, and my first word was always my first name, Lawrence, which is Larry, my whole life. I didn't like Lawrence. Uh, I was given the name Lawrence. Today, I wish I could get people to call me Lawrence because it defines for me more of myself than Larry, but it was Larry or Lawrence. The second was Simon. I was happy to be a Simon. But I was first in my own struggles for identity is to experience myself as a Larry or a Lawrence before a Simon. Can I be a psychologist? Can I be something that my family might disapprove of? Can I be irreligious? Can I be more religious than my family? I'm a Jew. And that is an important part of my identity. Uh, I'm an American, and sometimes I'm a Jewish American. Much of the time, I am an American who's Jewish right now uh, because of the danger I see to the American political process uh, as, as uh, President-elect Trump chooses uh, a group of people that horrify me, not all, but many who horrify me. Uh, who I think I believe to be authoritarian and very anti-democratic. Uh, I am more an American than anything else because it is my notion as Lawrence who is an American before I'm an American, Lawrence before an American that I struggle with and hope never to be suppressed or for me or anybody else who feels as I do to be asked to give up identity as the individual and become part of uh, uh, what I see as a growing mob, which defines itself as America uh, uh, and greatness. Um, what's interesting is that none of the, and nobody ever put out word on the board, ever said they were white. Nobody ever said they were straight. These were not part of self's identity. Why? Because they were taken for granted. In the last 15, 20 years, um, so-called race, color, has become extremely important. And the exploitation of this by authoritarian uh, politicians, uh, who rather than work towards uh, recognizing that being a human being is more important than one's so-called race, one's color, or one's religion, exploited that. And those who were white and never felt threatened and now feel threatened have been convinced that to be white is to be the victim. And while indeed all of us can be victims and all of us have job insecurity, and all of us can be replaced in our work by machines. This has been exploited to the maximum. Those who were already exploited, people of color, 
minority religions always defined their group identity high and primarily. Jews who have been the victims of discrimination and slaughter for uh, thousands of years almost always put being Jewish towards the top of the list. And many of my colleagues and friends put Jewish above themselves, but above their name. I am a Jew before I am a Harry, a Bob. For many, they are black before or African-American. And the struggle about which word to use is an enormous struggle for many people. In my lifetime, you were Negro, you were colored, you were black, you were African-American as the years have progressed. For many of these individuals, being a human being is defined, the self is defined by what's called racial identification. The sexual identification, men, rarely put down their men or male in the past. Now it's way at the top of the list because men are a threatened group within the human family. But women have always been the threatened group and their identity is always in terms of a feminist struggle to define oneself as a worthy, effective self and of being a woman a woman who is an effective self. All of these have come to the fore in what the, the press and others call identity politics, where people not even defining themselves as American, but as their religion, strict religion, strict conservative definitions of religion strict definition of being a loyal American who wants America to be great again. Not good, not a struggle to be a more perfect nation, but a great nation, a powerful nation, a kick-ass nation. All of these creates enormous conflicts for individuals, both within their experience of self and within their interpersonal relationships. There are people now I won't talk to because I see them as so damaging to me and my children because of their politics. I feel bad about it, but it's very hard for me not to avoid the feeling of terrible threat when somebody sees themselves uh, in a way that is inimical to me as an individual and how I define my own identity. And the identity, I hope that my children can live out in the course of their life. That one that has good relationships, that is a good American, a loyal American, that is whatever type of Jew or not Jew they want to be, but ultimately as a creative force filled with loving relationships in which they see others as important or more important to themselves and experience that wonderful feeling of looking into the eyes of another person who you know sees you as important as yourself. <clears throat> Am I being corny? Am I overstating the case? 
I think we're all in great danger this way. Unless we start thinking through our own identity and experience of self. What else? Let me give some examples, go back to some examples. Uh, One of the things I did throughout my uh, whole long career, and it was a long career, not in historical terms, but in terms of a single lifetime, did a lot of marital work. And when I discovered the conflicts in marriage and the difference between a marriage that I would like to be in and one that I would hope to avoid was that in a relationship, a close relationship, a long-term relationship like a marriage, there is an I, there is a you, and there is an us. And the quality of the relationship in a democracy is that there's a constant working out of what I am and what I desire and what I like and what you want and you need and what you like. And how much of my identity is submerged in the us, in the we? What I want to do with you as a we. Critically important. Uh, In my work in nursing homes now, I have people who have had really wonderful marriages by my definition, by my values, and now the other is gone. And there is an I, and there is no longer a you, and there is no longer an us. And the us was as important in so many ways as the I. What was happening to me happened to us. The we was the pronoun that was used as often as the I and the you. And these individuals are bereft. And they really, in many ways, don't last very long after the other has left. Um, Very interesting in terms of how you experience this. In an authoritarian marriage, one member defines an I, defines the you, and defines the us. And the individual who is the weaker, the softer, the more compliant, the more obedient, very often based upon their own experience within their own families, discovers that they don't have an I in that relationship. It's all us, and the us is all the other. They are an appendage. And when I go out with couples and I see that, it bothers me. It it hurts me to see a human being... uh, Trying to act comfortable, being humiliated, being belittled because uh, they feel they deserve it, because they don't deserve or feel strong enough in a sense of self to have or express their own wishes. Uh, in violent marriages, whether it's the man or more often it's the, the, the more often the man, but sometimes the woman who is the violent partner. Uh, It's, uh, you deserve my hitting you. You deserve because you were disobedient to me. And the sad thing is to hear from my point of view, in my values, the woman replied, yes, I deserved it. I was a bad. Uh, This is like a child who comes from a home that is totalitarian or authoritarian 
and speaks differently with words and ideas disapproved of by the parent or one of the parents. I am always against these hierarchical relationships. And it's always said when, uh, as human beings, our tribal loyalties overcome not only our individual selves, but our common sense, and we go off once again into war in which we have a strict hierarchical system of army and killing, uh, that the, 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 the marriage is like that kind of a system, a war, a battle. One could talk about the sexual politics. Um, when do we make love? When do I want to have sex? When do you want to have sex? When do we agree it's time for both of us to get together and enjoy our sexual relationship rather than a kind of abuse and a kind of a psychological or actual physical rape of one partner by the other. If you loved me, you would do this. The, the, the rape doesn't have to be physical. It can be in the form of a blackmail. Now, there are so many hundreds and hundreds of examples uh, I can give about this, but I am getting tired. Uh, it's uh, time for me to end this show. My wife, if she listens to it, will say, you already went on too long. Uh, I gave myself 45 minutes, but uh, I think 20 minutes is usually enough, and I've gone on 30 minutes, and that's probably too long. My friends... Most of us have grown up in some form of a democracy, at least on the larger political level. Let's not give it away. Let's define ourselves first by our given name, our family name, and the experience that each of us as individuals can only have as individuals. Let's fight to say what we want to say, without being hurtful, without being disloyal to the larger group. As we understand loyalty, based upon choice, based upon principle, rather than the fear of some dictator, some bully, telling us what, what uh, uh, we are supposed to believe. Right. Uh, I have a call coming in. I'm going to take it if I can. And... Um, I'm going to uh, say goodbye. I will leave myself 60 seconds or so to, uh, to uh, see if anybody uh, happened to call in, wants to call in, but I think not. So I wish you all well. I wish us all good luck. I wish us all strength, both as individuals and as loyal to whatever causes and beliefs we have.